0: Today on CityCast Denver. Colorado has the highest rates of mental illness in the country, while at the same time, the least access to care. Susan Green recently conducted a six month investigation into our mental health care safety net for Colorado News Collaborative. And she's on the show today to explain some of the reasons why things are so bad. Today is Tuesday, January 4th, 2022. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver.
1: Um, sorry, oh. my dog is... Um, <laughs> okay. He's just aggrieved about the whole thing.
0: <laughs> it sounds like it. Well, Susan Green, welcome to CityCast Denver. Thanks, Brie. Good to be here. So we're going to talk about a pretty major investigation that you spent over half a year working on. Um, and I, I think that's where I want to start is what led you to investigating Colorado's mental health care system in the first place? Like what was the catalyst for your reporting?
1: I just kept reading year after year about how low we kept ranking um, nationally in terms of mental health indicators. Um you know, generally been um, in the lowest, among the lowest states for um, depression, for suicide. It's pretty bad along the spine of the Rocky Mountains, and not just, you know, in in agricultural communities necessarily, but also in in sort of ski resorts. Um, It's high in the Latinx communities. But I wondered if there were other factors at play um, that were Adding to that, and so, I just started looking into the community mental health centers, which are the um, 17 centers regionally that serve as the mental health safety net for the state. And I want to say, as I was working on this, um, we fell to the very bottom of of the nation in terms of access to care, and um, I think suicide, um, and so. It, you know, we were like that before the pandemic, but um, obviously the pandemic exacerbates things.
0: This is such a juxtaposition to the presentation that Colorado is this place. Yeah, no. <laughs> You know, that folks come for um, recreation or like we're super, quote unquote, healthy in these certain ways. But underlying that, it sounds like there's a lot of other pressures that we don't talk
1: about. Yeah, I'm so glad you pointed that out. I think the same thing. It's um, And I, I think that the stigma is part of that, right? Um, you know, I, I was listening the other day to um, the governor, Governor Polis respond to a question about the Marshall fire. And one of the reporters asked him, how do you, how do you feel? You know, This is your home county, how, how do you feel? You just flew over in a helicopter and assessed the damage. And his answer was um, so typical in, in some ways of Coloradans. Um, he, he quoted some maybe coworker or colleague or someone he knows um, expressing her feelings about it, but not his own.
0: Governor, you've dealt with a lot of challenges in the past two years with COVID. You talked about what you saw from the helicopter. Can you let us inside the emotions of, of what you had to watch in that helicopter? You know, I got—I of course have many friends in the affected areas. I just want to read a text from one that I—I I got uh, a friend who who uh, lost their their home or doesn't know if they lost their home. She's you know,
1: it, 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 it's very rare that people in power and people in positions like the governor really actually do talk about their feelings at all. And, of course, they have them. But um, it's not necessarily a state where we discuss these things.
0: So last month you published the The work of this six-month investigation that you have done into Colorado's behavioral health system and found, like you said, that Colorado has the nation's highest rate of mental illness while at the same time the lowest access to care. What does that end up meaning for a person like um, Matt Vanola, who you profiled in your story? It means that he kept getting
1: rejected for care, um, thrown out. And there are many Matt Vanolas out there, Right. You know, this is the safety net system. They they shouldn't be dropping people from care. Um, or And it drives Denver crazy when I say this, but finding reasons to drop people from care because it very much looks like they're trying to,
0: right? Um, well, and like what do you happens when you drop somebody with serious mental health issues from care? They end up in our jails. They end up in our hospitals. They end up on our streets. They continue... They end up dead. Yeah, they end up dead. Yeah. They they continue these cycles um, where they have no support system. Right. And that's what this is supposed to be. It got to a point
1: where Matt Vanilla had been rejected so many times or like, you know, they would call the police on him or whatever, right? You know, which would launch like a long incarceration and competency evaluation. I mean, like a whole year of mess, right? that he wouldn't even work with them after a while. Like of course their trust erodes, right? Like right. paranoid schizophrenia. You hear voices in your head. Like let's be clear, like by definition, the hardest cases are difficult to treat, right? They're often delusional. Right. Like, you know, they're they're wildly depressed. You know, in less severe cases it means you could be really depressed and have to wait not just weeks, but I mean, I was talking in this series months, um, you know, up to 11 months to see a psychiatrist, right? Um, it means waiting months and months to to get therapy. It means when you start therapy, it's very likely, you know, let's go back to the stigma thing. We're a state where um, stigma is high. So it might be difficult for some people to talk about um, their personal stories and to sort of unfold them with a therapist. And It may very likely mean that you start doing so and you come back one day and that therapist isn't there and you have to start all over again. And that could happen to you. I found a woman in Aurora who had eight um, therapists in one year, right? So Uh it's like, how far can you really get, right? It might mean that you are a Spanish speaker and that these community mental health centers, which are supposed to be the safety net, literally don't have a Spanish speaking um, meaning um, fluent care provider. So I mean, I found many communities around the state where um, Spanish speaking folks don't even call their community mental health center, it's not even worth it to them.
0: And so I want to go back into where this all starts. Like we have this safety net system with 17 community mental health care centers that are supposed to be providing care for people who are uninsured, but it's clearly not working. Why is the system like this? Yeah. So
1: in the 60s, John F. Kennedy, who actually had a sister who was um, institutionalized for mental health and um, behavioral health reasons, you know, announced this um, initiative to deinstitutionalize the mentally ill and take care of them in community, right? And so um, they're sprung up around Colorado and the rest of the nation, these nonprofits called Community Mental Health um, Centers, that we're supposed to do this, and this is a an incredibly tangled web of um, programs, state and federal funding, and so I think part of why this system has not been scrutinized, um, it, it's it's twofold. One is it's really hard to look into these these centers because they're private nonprofits, and as private nonprofits, they're not subject to sunshine laws. So it's like we can't go and just ask them any question like we can, for the most part, with government and get answers. Um, it's unscrutinized because the 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 regulators, are, and I say that with air quotes, right? The people who are right. supposed to regulate them at the state really haven't been doing so. And they've been um, succumbing to pressures by the trade group that sort of lobbies for these centers, which is a huge part of my story, um, not to make them more transparent or or not to have the state regulate them more um, carefully. And it's been unscrutinized because it's so damn complicated. And it does take like six months to sort of for a reporter to get to the bottom of it, right? And um, we don't live in a time when there are a lot of reporters out there who have that kind of resource. So before I investigate anything, I always look to see, well, what's been done? And I I'm amazed at how little scrutiny this system has had, frankly.
0: Yeah, it's it's so interesting. It actually made me think about when I was um, on Medicaid myself and utilizing the Mental Health Center of Denver, which was the only place that I knew about for folks who didn't have insurance. Everywhere else is $125, $150 an hour, you know. Yeah. Um, And I... <sighs> I frankly, personally, had a pretty horrific experience with a counselor there who was clearly going through the motions, filling out the paperwork, checking off the boxes. Um, And it just didn't dawn on me until later on when I was insured and I had an actual therapist that I was like, oh, they weren't doing anything for me there. (laughs) And I was a light, quote unquote, light case. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't wasn't having suicidal ideations. Um, I wasn't without... um, economic support. You know what I mean? I I was pretty okay. I can't imagine. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that. This is a little
1: bit like the Public Defender's office, right? Like um, yeah. clinicians start their ca- careers often at these centers and they have um I think I quoted a woman who had something like 80 cases and so it was really hard for her to to remember like, you know, people's issues, you know, and and really how much can you really handle um, in terms of people's stories and the the details and the relationship that you, you create with each of these people? So I'm so glad you said that because I think that often the kind of, again, quote-unquote care that people get um, does not approximate what I, uh, people who have had care outside the system expect. And... Um, I think that's a really interesting public policy question to ask. I mean, again, assuming these are the, the hardest cases and they, it's not an assumption, they just flat out are. Is that okay?
0: So, your investigation really laid out all of these different components and issues that are happening sort of all at once here. There's this increased need for mental health services. There's this funding system that seems to be broken. And there's this network of mental health care centers that say they're underfunded. What, and obviously some major mismanagement happening. What do you think is the core problem? What did your investigation, what struck you?
1: Yeah. Well, it strikes me, you know, in the aftermath of this um, series that the mental health centers and their lobby and, and their proxies are all saying, well, you know, you're only doing this because you're trying to shut down the community mental health centers. I mean, I interviewed a ton of people. Nobody's suggesting, you know, burn the house down. What people are suggesting and what strikes me, what jumps out to me as a really pretty doable thing is for the state to... Um, you know stop being pushed around by the lobby the the trade association representing these centers and consolidating their power and fortifying their power and start literally regulating and overseeing them and requiring transparency and requiring accountability and what's so frustrating about this and and this is going on this was going on as I was reporting the the series is that there's this new state Department, like a cabinet-level level state department to be created in July. It's been created purportedly to address these these questions of transparency and accountability. But when you look at some of the recommendations um, that a huge task force that, that sort of met around these issues and made um, priorities about, they're ignoring some of the uh, priorities that the task force sent and really, you know, siding once again with the community mental health centers and um, allowing them to skirt transparency and, and skirt accountability. For example, like if if you're Summit County, which is part of a center called Mind Springs, but it's, Mind Springs has 10 West Slope counties in an area the size of West Virginia. I mean, just huge, like, and so you want to know how much they're spending in your county, right? And even like, how many care providers they have in your county or how many people they served. Mind Springs doesn't tell them. I mean, it's so maddening for them, right? And so, when you know, I'm talking about these lofty words like transparency and accountability, like the most basic transparency would be that they have to answer that, right? And so, that there would be someone in the state or someone provided by the state who's an alternative to the, to the center who makes sure that if you're Matt Vanola or his family, that he is not going to fall through the holes of this safety net. and. Um, that is called care coordination. And that was a main priority for the task force that was envisioning and recommending the priorities for this new um, state department. And that's been pretty much trashed. They won't admit that, but it has. These centers aren't used to being challenged at all. And there's a sense of entitlement that they should be the only game in town and a sense of entitlement that they should not be scrutinized or criticized or asked to do more. They're so indignant about this. And so... What stands out to me is how relatively easy it would be if the state grew some kind of backbone to do this and just the, like, weird kind of how-dare-you-question-us
0: attitude (laughs) you get when you do. Especially when you're not even getting the work done. (laughs) Like, you know? (laughs) Um, So since this has been published a couple weeks ago, um. Some things have happened. Can you talk about what the impact of your story has been?
1: Yeah. Um, mental Health Colorado, which is the um, organization, that the biggest organization in the state that advocates for um, people with mental illness, wrote a, a very demanding letter to the administration calling for the kind of accountability and transparency measures that we were talking about. And an increasing number of county commissioners and county sheriffs and other administrators are signing it all over the state. This will be a, um, a real focus of the, of the legislative session. And um, I think that from now until May, there'll be a lot of conversation about maybe a different, more person-centered, public-centered, and less center-centered um, system.
0: Susan Green, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Bree, thank you for reading it and caring about this issue. I really appreciate it.
0: And here's what else is happening in Denver today. The breakfast king is no more. One of the last remaining late night diners in Denver proper closed its doors yesterday without notice. The Colorado Sun reports that apparently the owner called up current employees and told them not to come in for their shifts. What a giant bummer. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us, rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you later. Okay, do you want me to do this newscast item again?